I'm Matt Miller from the Google Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hi, everyone. Jeff Eichler here for Kirsten Rickert and Getting Unstuck, Educators Leading Change, the podcast that focuses on reimagining education in four areas. Who is leading the change? What they are trying to accomplish on behalf of their stakeholders and why? Who they are collaborating with to envision and bring about change? And finally, what internal and external obstacles they are encountering and overcoming? The struggle to open schools safely amid COVID-19 is front page news on most days, but often the voices we hear are those of state governors, city or town mayors, or union officials. We don't always learn about what's going on from the educator's perspective. Besides the obvious, masks, clean rooms, and social distancing, what else are educators focusing on? When the emergency closure did happen, that was our, our focus was, first of all, relationship, connection, compassion, common sense, like it was just like that connection piece was the most important. And, and you asked specifically like for staff. And so we tried to, we had a um, few Zoom meetings a week. One of them was just to come together to see each other. And, and I, I felt my role throughout the emergency closure was really to be the voice of support and positivity and to, to just keep reassuring teachers, you you're doing enough because nobody felt like they were doing enough, you know, and it's like I had, there, there were teachers who were creating these, you know, packets of materials using their own money and then going out to deliver and drop off at doorsteps. Um, lots of phone calls, uh, the zoom meetings, what we tried to make those about was the connection piece, just to check in with kids, do fun things. And so I tried to do that same kind of thing with, with staff and the, the feedback I had from teachers, they felt that. They appreciated and felt supported. That's Joanne Duncan, a former teacher and reading specialist and now principal at the Lincoln Elementary School in Ellensburg, Washington, talking about what it was like to lead her school when COVID-19 first hit. We first recorded this episode this past summer. In a recent email, Joanne updated me on her school situation and in the process revealed the role of the sensitive, caring school leader. The following words are hers. What is energizing me and giving me purpose is the idea that I can bring some calm to the chaos. If I have clear, consistent communication with staff and families, it can give them some reassurances about learning, school, and themselves. I am also energized by what Michael Fullen calls simplexity. As I work through the complexities of redesigning school, my thoughts go to how to make it simple for others to be able to get unstuck and move forward. Let's listen to the conversation to learn what it's like to lead a school amid the pandemic. Welcome, Joanne. Yes, thank you. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, We're excited uh, to talk with you, Joanne. Uh, Just for our listeners, uh, we were introduced to Joanne uh, by a very good friend of ours, uh, somebody who actually wrote the the, uh, foreword to our book, and that's Kimberly Davis. And Kimberly is the author of Brave Leadership. And um, when I first talked to Joanne, we discovered we had a number of people in common, uh, Mary Howard and one of our really good friends, uh, Mike Oliver. 
So um, this is kind of, what is it, like uh, seven degrees of separation or something here, right? So that's how we uh, um, got introduced to Joanne. What we were really curious, though, is that uh, while Joanne has been in education for a while, she's a relatively new principal, and we wanted to get her perspective on what it's like to be a relatively new principal. But before we dive into that, um, uh, Joanne lives in Washington State. Joanne, can you just, uh, can you give us um, an update on where you are with the opening of school? What's happening? Yeah, sure. Um, right now in Washington State, what we're looking at is um, every community is kind of uh, doing what they need to based on where their community's at, because I'm in a, in a rural area, although we have had a spike in our cases uh, what we're looking at right now, based on what OSPI, what our school superintendent has set out, is that we are planning to open in a hybrid model, open up schools in the fall in a hybrid. Um, so we've got half the kids coming on an A day, like a Monday and a Thursday, and the other half coming on a, a Tuesday and a Friday. So that way we can really try to do the social distancing um, in our classroom. So we are hoping that we get to do that. At this point, like I said, we've gone a little backwards in our community because there's been an uptick in cases. So there is a possibility that we may be starting in a distance model. But we have put a lot more things in place um, to support our teachers who did a phenomenal job um, in the spring during emergency teaching. Um, so hopefully... Hopefully, we'll at least be in the hybrid model and not in all distance, but it'll just depend on, on where we're at. And when the kids are not in the building, are they, are they then working independently at home? Is that the idea? Yeah, that's, that's the idea. And we are giving our families an option of an all-virtual model with a teacher, with teachers who will be solely focusing on all-distance learning, uh, the hybrid model. The idea is when they are home that they are still working on um, schoolwork and, and that every student will have access to internet and have um, computer to laptop to work from. Got it. We did, um, we did a series uh, back in the spring. Uh, we interviewed a, a number of educators when they were first wrestling with COVID and uh, one of the big issues for them, uh, it wasn't around instruction. It was around how to deliver the meals that um, a lot of their population, you know, they get free and reduced meals. And I'm just curious, is that something that, that your district has to wrestle with as well? Yeah, we, we did that, but I am so grateful. We are fortunate in our community. Our food services director was right on top of it and was able to have nine different locations throughout our community where they had grab-and-go meals available to families. And, and we have a, a local food bank. They partnered together. We have other organizations who all volunteered to be at those spots. It, it was, I can't remember offhand, it was thousands and thousands of meals that were um, handed out over the, the emergency closure. Got so it, it really, how are you planning to handle, how are you planning to handle it as you guys go hybrid? Like, how did you guys think that part through? Are you going to continue that process during the hybrid instruction? 
Yes, I think that is one of the things um, we haven't all come back together to to discuss that, but that will be something I'm sure our food services director and that we'll be talking about is on those days that kids are home, how will they be getting uh, their their meals? Um, and I, I'm envisioning probably something similar uh, to what we did before, either locations throughout the community or somehow if it's grab and go meals, they're able to take those with them um, you know, from school to take those home on the days they aren't here. Got it. So I have older children, so this is not relevant to me because they can stay home alone. But as an elementary school principal, is the, what is the thought about what's happening in the home on those off days? Uh, great yeah, question. Def- definitely, definitely a, a, a huge concern. I mean, this whole... Thing, you know, you see the concerns from all sides. And um, I think one of the, the things I hear our community talking about is um, families that are kind of partnering together to try to share care, like get their kids, keep them in a small group on the days they aren't there and they'll have somebody come into their home. Um, so, so that's a, a positive that I've been hearing. We're trying to, we've been trying to figure out places in the community, like churches, basements, you know, places where possibly we could offer more, uh, there could be more childcare, but it's, it's got to be not just the schools, but trying to get the community on board to help address um, these issues, right. but definitely a concern. Yeah. So very, <clears throat> excuse me, very related to that. Uh, the other, the other thing that we heard uh, from those people that we interviewed is that the social and emotional um, connection or factor was very important. Um, Yes, academics, we wanted to continue instruction or reinforce the instruction that we'd had earlier in the year. But what they were really concerned about was the social and emotional uh, connection for kids, but also for their faculty, because the faculties were dispersed as well. And Joanne, can you speak to that? Um, You know, how your district, how, how you're trying to handle it in your school? Yeah, it's an, another uh, great point. And when, when the emergency closure did happen, that was our, our focus was, first of all, relationship, connection, compassion, common sense. Like it was just like that connection piece was the most important. And, and you asked specifically like for staff. And so we tried to, we had a um, few Zoom meetings a week. One of them was just to come together to see each other. And, and I, I felt my role throughout the emergency closure was really to be the voice of support and positivity and to, to just keep reassuring teachers, you, you're doing enough because nobody felt like they were doing enough, you know, and it's like I had, there, there were teachers who were creating these, you know, packets of materials using their own money and then going out to deliver and drop off at doorsteps um, lots of phone calls, uh, the Zoom meetings, what we tried to make those about was the connection piece, just to check in with kids, do fun things. And so I tried to do that same kind of thing with with staff. And the, the feedback I had from teachers, they felt that. They appreciated and felt supported. And, and I really think that, like, I'm, I was the same way. What can I do throughout this, you know? And, and it really it really was what, what I did. And um, one of the, the friends you were talking about, Kimberly Davis, with the Brave Leadership, because I did go to um, go to her 
uh, seminar, the brave leadership. And, and what came out of that for me was my super object, objective was to give others the gift of hope and possibility. And, and um, one of the greatest gifts I received back after the end of this emergency closure was, was a teacher who, not knowing that that's my super objective, gave me a t-shirt about hope and possibility. And um, so I, I, beautiful. I, I, so I felt beautiful. like, okay, if that's a little piece that I can do during this, that's what I'll continue um, to do. And then that's what I see teachers doing for our families right. and students. Oh, boy. Yeah, we love, we love the super objective. We actually built that into our book because we feel it's such an important uh, concept for people to have. Um, when you were thinking about becoming a principal, I'm sure, you know, you didn't have a COVID-like situation in mind. Oh, I hope I get, you know, stuck in something. I'm sure there were other factors. What actually, um, what actually uh, inspired you to become a principal? Well, you know, I never set out to be a principal. Um, really what inspired me was it was another principal that, that I worked with. He was, he was my principal. And I'll just tell you this little short story um, because it's not probably what you're thinking right now. So I uh, loved, loved teaching first grade. It was my favorite thing. I did a lot of action research. I was really into uh, readers workshop and, and just learning from so many amazing people out there like Dr. Mary, like Mike Oliver, and um, just noticing what was happening in my classroom when I turned over, um, turned everything over to the students and I really followed their interest and what they were excited about and really named to them what their strengths were. And um, just this, it was just magical what was happening. And, and it was right around the time that No Child Left Behind had come out. And so um, that kind of teaching and that was all getting pushed aside. And it was about teachers need to follow a scripted program. Children should be in small groups with very direct instruction. Everybody should be in a group. And it was horrible. <laughs> it was like, no, we can't, we can't do that, you know. And um, my principal came in one day to observe in my classroom. And it was a day I was so thankful that he was there because what was happening is it was during reader's workshop. I had a little mini lesson. I was working with small groups. They had expert first graders out there. There were uh, dinosaur researchers writing papers and sharing their information and reptile experts. I mean, just kids were humming along and, and, and kids were getting what they needed. I might be working with a small group who kids are still learning to identify letters and sounds, but what was happening was joyful, engaging learning so joyful and engaged that when I rang the chimes to signal the end of workshop and time for recess, the collective, oh, do we have to go out? Can we please keep working? I'm right in the middle of writing about the Sasquatch. And I was like, oh, and I was just so excited. I'm like, I'm so glad the principal was here because he's going to get it. He's going to see why we can't abandon this type of teaching and, and move to scripted programs and, and, uh, with the idea that teachers who want to stray from a script, they think it's all about them and they could care less about the kids. And, and that's the furthest thing. So I convinced the kids go, go, you need to go out and play. It'll really be fun. Go to recess. And um, the principal left and I couldn't wait to get the note. Like he wrote a note and I thought, Oh, he's going to get it. This is wonderful. I'm so glad he was here. I go to read the note and it says, 
I'll come back when you're teaching reading. And that's, that's all it said. I'll come back when you are teaching reading. I, I thought right then, you know what? I'm going to be a principal. I'm going to go get my administrative certification. Good for you. I want to make sure that no teacher gets a note like that again after they've spent years and years researching, doing action, action research. And um, so that was my inspiration and my turning point. And um, so here I am today, a principal trying to ensure that, in fact, no teacher gets a note like that again, and that, that we can have an education system based off of what children are excited about learning turning things over to them. What are teachers excited about? Empowering teachers with their passions and what they're excited about. So that's my little, why I'm a principal. That's my, that was my inspiring principal story. <laughs> that's a, that's a great story because you could see, you could see a situation where somebody could have been so despondent by that. They just basically, they could have given in, but it really, it really inspired you to, to do better. Right. Absolutely. It, it, it really did. And, and prior to that, you know, I, I follow, you know, Dr. Mary, I was I'm a part of, um, you know, national uh, literacy associations and, and things like that, because I, I was overwhelmed with this idea that it is my responsibility in this classroom to engage these children. And it's up, it's up to me. It's not a program. It's the, the more I learn and the better I can get, the better it is for them, for those kids. And so then as I moved on this new trajectory of, of being a principal, it's a same, I, I moved into another zone following leaders and people in these kind of roles. And, and I'm, I'm blown away every day by, by the learning that happens for me um, by some amazing leaders. So, um, It's unfortunate when we, when we broadcast our uh, podcast, all our listeners see is the is the um, or all they hear is the audio portion. They can't see what we're seeing, and you have such a smile on your face and a glow about you when you're when you're telling. I, I can see how energized you are and what you what you bring to the role as principal. Thank you. Yeah, I get I get that I get that energy just thinking about those kids. Like I'm here because of the kids because. Yeah. Um, it, it's a give, it's a give and take, right? Like they, they give so much if, if you open yourself up to what they have to offer instead of seeing it like it's all about me, the teacher, and, you know, you will do what I say. It's like, let me step back. And, and the, some of the best learning I've done as a teacher and as a, as a principal is listening to kids, just listening. I was going to ask you a very related to that. What was it like the first time you stepped into the building as a principal, and I'm thinking here of the faculty, you're meeting the faculty for the first time. Do you come in with an aggressive program or do you listen? It's kind of a, I think I know how you're going to respond to that based <laughs> on what you just said, but that was the question anyway. Yeah, definitely um, about listening. It's about listening. And and I was in a unique, I'm in a unique situation because I'm, I'm coming in in a different role. I, I have lived in this town for 30 plus years and my kids went to this elementary school. I, was, I started my teaching career in this uh, building I'm in right now and was actually inspired by my daughter's kindergarten teacher because I was volunteering in her classroom 
And she said, you are so good with kids. You really should go back and get your teaching degree. So, so my, my perspective is now coming in, not as the teacher colleague, but now as you, you're the principal. Like, so I was like, okay, but in many ways, I don't feel I'm not above anybody. We're, we're equally working together. And I, and so coming in, but listening through a leader's lens as this isn't just my classroom or this isn't just my grade level. Now this, this is the families community. This is everybody. And I'm, I just, I feel like a teacher still. I'm, I'm uh, a teacher. You know what I mean? Right. So you were talking before. Um, it sounded like uh, it, when you were teaching and your principal came in, it sounded like there was a great deal of student agency in, in that classroom where kids got to look at what they were interested in, what their passion is. Uh, how much have you been able to to um, use that in your current role to inspire teachers to um, uh, to grant student agency with the kids. Yeah, I think I think uh, quite quite a bit. I mean, we we still have like a long way to go on the K five continuum, but we have many teachers in our building who who are doing like a workshop model, who are following the students' lead and and their interest, and so um, I, I think. Giving those teachers um, a platform to share what's happening in their classroom, what happens for student learning, is really what helps make it spread. And when we see uh, kids who are, you know, might have behavioral problems and issues, when they have more freedom, when they have more um, time to focus in on what interests them, all of a sudden, teachers are like, wow, they're really we're not having these problems anymore. And so when they can share that, other teachers are tell me more about what, what you're doing in your room. How, how is that working? And so I think that's just giving teachers more agency as well, like over exactly yeah. what they're doing. And so my hope is, you know, to have it K-5, like this is how, this is how we are in our building. We are about students' strengths and we are about following um, students lead about what what are they what do they want to know more about and letting them letting them go forward. So have you engaged? I know you're um, you know as you say you're getting into this. You're relatively new. So have you engaged in any building wide like mission vision or um, conversations? Because you articulated a really beautiful why that people could be building towards, but I know sometimes it's a process to kind of actually elicit that and then get everybody on the same page and then actually get each other to refer to it. Like I'm doing this because it, you know, serves my why. How, where are you in that journey? I feel like um, we have laid a foundation and, and we're still in that process. Like that is kind of the next step. Um, we've worked as a staff because this will be going into my third year, but learning about restorative practices and part of restorative practices is just the community circle, a place where we can build trust, where everybody, everybody's voice can be heard. Everyone feels valued. And so just by, but like introducing that first so we can start that trust and start that conversation, what was really important, I think, before we get to, to that other piece, because this is a staff that's been together for a long time. So I, I, and I just feel like we, 
we're moving in a good direction. But I know that is an important piece that we need to do. Um, we need yeah, to- but I think you're right that addressing sort of culture and getting some common values out is a great way to start. Are you how um, one of the things that I have on my mind when I'm talking to folks right now is the sort of like, and this is what we were living into. And now there's COVID. So like, there's this real tension in people's minds between sort of addressing the big thing, but then also, you know, moving in the direction that they intend to make happen. So how are you? How are you negotiating that for yourself right now? Oh, I, I've been, that's all I've been thinking about lately, because it, it is, we're going a direction, we, now we have COVID, so, so on days, on days when uh, you, everything just starts running through your mind, it, it can become so overwhelming that you get stuck, like I've had those days where I can't even, I don't, I don't even know, like I, I feel sad, I feel, how are we going to do this, and then I just have to step back, take a deep breath, it's going to be okay, because we just have to start with what we know. So even with COVID, we, we know the importance of connection and relationship. So, so that's still going to be the number one thing that we're, we're going to continue to work on. And, and it's going to be more important than ever because that's what's going to get us through. And, and that's that idea of like, I don't want to just survive this. And I want to say to the teachers, we don't want to just survive this. We want to thrive during this. We want to, we want to be the ones that when kids come back to school, like it, it's gonna, it's gonna be that safe place for them. They're gonna see that, hey, it's it's gonna be okay. So, so I think it's just a different, a little bit different, but that that has to be part of the focus. Is we we're acknowledging we have been in a global pandemic. <laughs> Things this has been the hardest thing for many of us that we've we've ever done. Mm-hmm. We're, I know we're all on varying places. We have some families that are, they're fine. They're, they're thriving. We have others who know that it is not, it's not good at all. Same for teachers and, you know, but, but I think if we just acknowledge that and go, we are here, we're going to move forward. We care about each other and, and we're going to, we're going to get through this. Um, I don't know if that just made sense, but but that's that's what I've been thinking. I, I know about relationships and how important they are, and I know about the power of connection. So what's that going to look like um, during this time? And it's just going to it's 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 going to address address the hardships, address what we're facing, but also still look for the the good and the positive. Because not only on top of COVID, we have all the other big um, racial issues going on. Like we, and we have the election, like we, we have such division right now. So how can we have a, com- we have a common thing we can focus on to, to move us forward. And that's, I think children, it's children, it's their safety. It's that, that connection. Everybody, everybody needs that. Mm. So. Um, how much, how much involvement or how much communication have you, had with parents is it is the volume different now because of what's going on versus what it might have been before um during the during the emergency closure and and up until the kind of right after school closed we had quite a bit of communication um it's it's actually kind of backed off because we didn't really know like we didn't have our plan in place we did have really good um 
we had community meetings, we had stakeholder meetings, we kind of had our plan before school ended, um, a rough outline of it, you know, this is what we're, we're looking at, we just, we didn't have the details, and we're still working on those. Um, so our superintendent, she's sent out, a, you know, very detailed communication as to where we're at now. I sent up a follow-up. I, I'm like, I'm, I am here. If anybody needs to get a hold of me, please, please respond. Let me know. And so I've had a few families, and I get right back to them. Didn't really hear a whole lot. Um, so I'm thinking I'll, I'll kind of start picking up the communication again when, you know, like I said, we have um, – more details to give, and then um, I have more of an idea of, uh, you know, what we are looking at for for the fall to send out. But the biggest message I, I have sent out is I'm here. So if you need anything, please reach out, call me, don't, but don't let it rumors get started out there about what's going on. Go to the source. I'm, I'm here for you. And so, so, one one big question for me is, um, how do you take care of yourself? Where do you? I mean, you mentioned sometimes I have to kind of sit back and pause, but how do you how do you take care of yourself so that you can help others? Yeah, that's a good question, and 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 uh, I think like this summer I have actually I've gone out and done a lot of hiking, um, been able to spend some time with uh, one of my friends who. Uh, she was a mentor teacher to me, and she's retired now. And so just just going out, hiking, uh, go for a lot of walks. Um, when I'm out in nature, that's a, that's a place for me to really um, just kind of get my thoughts together, uh, refocus on, on what's important. Um, so that, those are some ways I like to take care of myself is being outdoors, um, I also have three dogs. I love my dogs. I'm a husband too, and he's good. But <laughs> um, taking the dogs on walks every day is is uh, really grounds me and uh, helps me focus. And and then I just <laughs> I do need to take my own advice so much. And like the teachers I work with are so fabulous. They're like, we hope you are listening to everything you're always telling us. Take care of yourself. So. Um, one of the things that you and I discovered um, when we when we first talked was that we have this shared love of fly fishing, and I'm I'm curious if you if you've been able to get out in the water at all this uh, this summer. Yes, it's it's actually it's been really fun because my husband, who is normally he's up in Alaska, and usually I, that's where I go do my fishing is up in Alaska. Um, we've been able to go out on a local river here. We've been doing a lot of fishing, but not a lot of catching, but uh, <laughs> that that's okay. It's It's been great in the evening just to be out on the river and just kind of, we're not out in a boat. We're just walking and waiting. And um, it's, it's been, it's been really nice to be out, um, yeah. out on the water. So one, one, one last question to kind of wrap this up. When, when you get back to school, what is, what is, what do you envision a typical day being now that you're going to be in this hybrid model, how do you see yourself operating um, minute to minute, hour to hour? Well, I really see myself um, being out, uh, not in my office. I'm not a kind of an 
be, stay in your office principal anyway, so I'm always out. But I see myself even out in classrooms, out uh, out on the playground, just out everywhere with kids and teachers to, to just keep supporting them, let them know, I'm so happy you're here. I know these masks, can you believe these masks? Isn't it crazy where it's, you know, but I like your mask. That's a cool <laughs> today. Um, just trying to keep everybody positive. And again, you know, out there giving the gift of hope and possibility and whatever that takes, uh, I'm going to be out there um, doing that. Um, you know, one of the, this is really crazy, but I'm like, we have to find the joy throughout this time. And I have always, um, when, when I first became principal, they didn't have a mascot here. So we're the bull pups and I got the bull pup suit and a mascot suit. And so, you know, the first day we're out on the sidewalk greeting kids at the bullpup. Everybody was excited about that. Um, I have always wanted those, you know, those little dinosaur blow up costumes people can put up. I want to I want to get one of those and just be going around the sidewalk around the school waving and just, you know, just bring in some joy and fun during this time. Um, so that's what I'm going to be out doing crazy things around the building to keep everybody. Love it. That is so Love cool. <laughs> what is a bull pup? Um, you know, like a bull pup instead of the bulldogs, our high school is the bulldogs. Ah, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So we're at elementary, we're the we're the bull pups. <laughs> so good. So you have you have shared some wonderful things about yourself. We always like to end our interviews by asking some questions that further help um, our listeners know who they've been listening to. So uh, we have some questions and we call this rapid fire wrap up and we don't want you to think too long about them. Just give us your, your first impression. All right. Okay. Uh, what's a book educational or not that you would suggest every educator read? Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> well, I got this one right here in front of me that you guys did. That's a really Good one. I love how school. We, we did not rehearse this. So uh, no, no, you guys, we really didn't. But this, I've been reading this one uh, lately. And as a leader, like I love um, Hamish Brewer, Relentless. Um, that's, that's one, another one as a, as a leader that I'm, um, I read and I got to meet Hamish and he's just, he is all about changing things up and making it about love. I mean, when I heard him say, say on his announcement, Hey, if, to the, the kids, hey, if nobody told you today that they love you, I'm telling you right now, I love you. And so I started doing that on my announcements, and um, he gave me the courage to do that. And it, beautiful. Oh, wow. Beautiful. I'll put that book in the, in the notes. Um, <laughs> I kind of know how you're going to answer this next one. When you're not engaged in various aspects of your work, we'd most likely find you? Uh, on, on a mountain trail or on the river. All right. Very good. That's what I thought you would say. Um, and I might, I might know how you're going to answer this one too. Um, who was or is an educational mentor for you? Oh, God, there's so, there are so many. I'm so grateful. But um, two that just really come to mind right now, Dr. Mary Howard. Mary Howard. Yep. Mary Howard. And um, in this role as an administrator, um, Mike Oliver has been another uh, role model about showing me the possibility of what a school could be. Right. And another leader, one more that um, I connected with just in the last few years um, is uh, Dr. Michael Hines, superintendent. 
um, in, in uh, Long Island. Um, his, his, just the things he's doing, I thought, talk about possibility. Look what, look, he's a superintendent and he's telling people, I don't care about your test scores. I care about your well-being, your mental. Oh, love that. I care about play. I care, you know, I'm like, you, uh, that you give me hope. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to connect with him. He's right in our backyard here. So, uh, yeah, he's at, um, is it Port Washington? Is there a, uh, I can't think of the name of yeah. right now, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I would connect with him. We'll track him down. Um, if you could advise a school leader to do one thing, what would it be? Ooh, only one thing. Well, one thing. Oh, that's hard. It's a two step, but you've got to be able to listen. Can I say one more? Yes. Say one more. <laughs> Don't be afraid to do something different and just start small. Love that. Love that. That's near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest change we must make to improve education? Well, I, I think the focus on standardized testing needs to go away so we can truly focus on the child. And, and don't want this to sound cliche, but it's that, that whole child, it isn't just about the academics. It's when we say the whole child, we're, we're talking about the physical growth, emotional growth, their academic growth, and the social growth. We're talking about all of it and as being equal. That's, that's wonderful. And finally, what's your next challenge? Um, how are you trying to challenge yourself? My challenge coming up is just what does school look like this this year in the uh, in in the COVID season here? Is, is what is that going to look like? Okay, uh, Joanne, this has been such a pleasure. Um, my hope is that one day you and I can um, not socially distance. We can stand in a river um, near each other, and um, you can. Uh, Tell me how to be a, a much better fly fisher than I am right now. All right. <laughs> oh, I will look forward to the day of uh, fishing with you somewhere. So, All right. sure. All right. Thank you so much for being on Getting Unstuck. Um, it's just, uh, and my, our listeners can't see me and Kirsten, and we both have big grins on our faces too. Uh, you're, you're an inspiring leader, and, and your faculty and kids and community are fortunate to have you. Thank you. Well, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And again, thank you for the privilege to be able to be here today. We'll see Thanks, you. Thanks, Joanne. Bye. Hi, Jeff Eichler here. And Kirsten Rickert. Thanks for listening to this episode of Getting Unstuck, Educators Leading Change. If you found the information in this episode useful for the work that you do as a school leader, please subscribe and leave a rating and review for our show at Apple Podcasts. And please share this episode with your thoughts on your favorite social media channels. To connect with us, you can reach me at jeff at quetacocoaching.com. And me at kirsten at rickertinnovation.com. Until next time, remember that how you're shifting is just as important as the shift you're making. Music.